You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Gordon went back to the sideline. Brisker's over there too. End zone. Hawkinson. Touchdown. Florida, number 12, has two minutes for roughing. And then every player on the ice has a 10-minute misconduct. Brady, Matthew, I warned you. Sorry, Sorry, Mom. We had lots of chances. We're still losing. So we've got to find a way to win. Yeah! Good morning, Vancouver. 6.01 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Adog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. And intern Joseph, good morning to you as as well. How's it going? Nah, not that great, apparently. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari <laughs> family of Accurate Dealers. <laughs> Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. I cannot believe the amount of time that we prep, practice, and prepare things, and yet the execution still comes off. I'm dying off over here. That was hilarious. So poorly. Not just, even close. Just, Maybe worse than the best part. Is. The best part is we planned. We planned worked it. on it. We did 47 <laughs> takes. And that was the best one. It's unbelievable. We're going to have to get the intern to say good morning. Can we accomplish this? We cannot. Was, we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Laddie gets in my ear while Bruff's talking. He's like, I think we got it ready. Let's try it again. Okay. Intern Joseph, I'm going to say hello to you now. Hello and good morning, Intern Joseph. Hey, guys. Uh I think I got it right this time. You How are should, you guys? You don't put it on yourself. This is not on you. This is 1,000% on the hey, dog. Would, it, would it be too confusing to give the intern the nickname Greg because he's tall and he reminds me of Greg from Succession? Yes. We cannot have two people named Greg. <laughs> you can't have a real Greg and a fake You can't. You can't. Uh, you can't do that. No. Anyway, uh, intern Joseph, good morning <laughs> to you. Welcome aboard, back aboard. And we will get that uh, that greeting sorted out by the end of the week. Okay. Uh, what's happening on the program today? You may want to know. 6.30, Greg Wyshynski, ESPN, NHL Insider, is going to join us on the program. Uh, there's big news out of the Detroit Red Wings camp this morning. We'll get to that in what happened. Also, we'll talk to Greg about the return of Andy's favorite all-star format. And yes, of course, very on brand. Andy has a favorite all-star format. It's awesome. I love You're it. very excited I'm about very excited. this. Yeah, so 6.30... Greg Wyshynski is going to join the show. 7 o'clock, Anthony LaPlanta from the Minnesota Wild. He's their play-by-play guy. Dean Evison out. Second coach in the NHL fired this season. Uh, John Hines. John Hines, as you pointed out, Laddie, with a, a history of very little success in the regular season, mm-hmm. comes aboard. Uh, Playoffs, the, too. Minnesota uh, will be in Vancouver next Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, December 7th. So we'll get to see them relatively soon. We'll talk to Anthony LaPlante about a disappointing team and a major coaching change behind the bench. 7.30, Jonathan Davis from NHL Network is going to join us. Uh, He's a West Coast guy. He covers the Ducks and the Kings. We'll talk to him about tonight's opponent. 
In Vancouver, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. It is the incoming Anaheim Ducks. Uh, 8 o'clock, Brendan Batchelor, Canucks Radio, play-by-play man, is going to be on the show. So we got a huge show ahead, a lot of guests, a lot of hockey talk. Working in reverse, 8 o'clock, it's Batch. 7.30, it's Jonathan Davis. 7 o'clock, it's Anthony LaPlanta. Uh, 6.30, Greg Wyshynski. We're also giving away a pair of Canucks tickets tonight. It's not for tonight's game. It's for that bi- another big litmus test game Thursday against the Vegas Golden Knights at Rogers Arena, November 30th, 7 o'clock. We're giving away a pair of tickets for the best what we learned on today's show. Yeah, hopefully Vegas is a little bit tired because they went into Calgary last night and they lost to the Flames. And they play Edmonton tonight yeah. and then just a day off before playing the Canucks. Did you see the goal that Aiden Hill let in? Okay, that's your that's your assignment for the next three minutes is go okay. look at it and then draw stink lines over Aiden Hill because it was not good. But maybe I was missing something. You're the goalie expert. You're going to tell me. That was a weird minutes. overtime, too. The because, whole thing was strange. Because the Flames started with a four on three and then there were no whistles for mm. the entire overtime uh, and the Flames scored with like four seconds left in it. Four, at four on four. Four on four overtime. It was old school. Yeah, the fans were like, we're getting ripped off here. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> but then they won, so they were happy. Okay. Uh, So that's everything that's happening on the program today. Uh, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. I mentioned off the top, there is big news. This morning, out of Detroit, Patrick Kane is now a member of the Detroit Red Wings. According to multiple outlets, Kane is on the verge or has already signed a one-year deal with the Red Wings. This after a number of teams including the Florida Panthers, the Buffalo Sabres, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Dallas Stars, and a handful of others expressed interest in the 35-year-old coming off fairly significant hip surgery. Patrick Kane, now a member of the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, I was listening to a bit of uh, Freege on this yesterday, and he mentioned the Red Wings. Um, He also mentioned that Dallas, it might be more that Patrick Kane wanted Dallas, and Dallas didn't really have interest in Patrick Kane, so... I don't know, maybe Detroit wasn't even his first pick, but he ends up there, and I guess it's worth noting that he reunites with Alex Dabrinkit, and those guys had a lot of success together in Chicago. Um, The last team that Kane picked, New York Rangers, uh, he reunited with Panarin, and the Rangers were out in the first round, so we'll see if the Red Wings can even make the playoffs. Um, It is interesting, though, because the Red Wings play Chicago, they host Chicago, so it's not the same. They're not at Chicago, but they play Chicago on Thursday. And the day before that, tomorrow, they're in New York to play the Rangers. Yeah, it's going to be... Oh, I have no idea when Kane will actually be able to get back in the lineup. I know he's been skating for an awfully long time, and the agency uh, released several videos of him doing drills in the anticipation of, yeah, he's ready to go. Right Now, the, the surgery is pretty significant, right? Um, We've seen NHLers go through different variations of it. Like, it's basically hip resurfacing. And some have been able to come back. What is hip resurfacing? Sorry? What do they do there? Uh, I believe that they take the... Now, here's where my medical degree comes in. Everyone listen up. This (laughs) should be be interesting. 
I believe that the uh, ball and socket is they actually take it out and then smooth it over. So oh, that's, yeah. They give it a little polish. Yeah, right? The guy goes in with a belt sander and just kind of like, now is where the medical degree really comes in handy. Yeah, okay. Um, Detroit hasn't made the playoffs since 2016, right? So this is kind of a shot across the league that if you sign Patrick Kane, you're not doing it to have a pretty good regular season but fall short of the playoffs. Like, he wants to compete for a Stanley Cup. I think the Red Wings are ready to get back in the mix. As If you ever want to tie anything back to the Canucks, you can always do it with Detroit. So I still have no idea why they decided to move on from Philip Hronick if they are indeed in their competitive window. Mm -hmm. I mean, the more I look at it, the more it just doesn't really make sense to me. I've seen enough of Hronick now to know he's pretty good at what he does. He's a good defenseman. And him and Hughes, both of which were basically packaged here from Detroit, albeit in different fashions, are one of the top pairings in the NHL. So if Detroit, and again, I think... I know, I just keep waiting for like the bottom to fall out of Hronick and they're like, ah, that's Stevie Y. I, you know what? Even if you don't think as highly of him, and I'm talking about Iserman in terms of his ceiling, mm-hmm. you're still in your competitive window now. You're still trying to make the playoffs now. You just signed a 35-year-old free agent to win this year. Like You're not signing well, Patrick Kane well, to an okay, eight-year hold, deal. Hold on, a, hold on a second. Let's not overstate this Patrick Kane signing. This is a low-risk move for the Detroit Red Wings. This is not even close to an all-in move. They had the cap space. He's interested in joining them. There's that history with Debrinket. I don't. There's no. It, what's the risk in signing Patrick Kane? There's no risk. But there's there's risk in signing Philip Peronik to a long term contract because he's going to need to be paid a lot and for a long time. You understand what I'm saying conceptually, though. Like this is more of a symbolic signing than an actual. He's going to help us do a ton of things on the ice signing. Like he chose them over other teams that were probably a little bit more assured of a playoff spot because mm-hmm. I think that they're ready to step forward. We talked about the three teams in that division that were all looking to make that next step. Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo. All right now, I'd yeah. say Detroit probably is leading that pack. But right? again, this is a low-risk move for Steve Eiserman. If, if Patrick Kane wants to sign with you and you've got the cap space... Aren't you in a kind of a situation where you're like, yeah, might as well. <laughs> it was an old shrug of the shoulder. Like, I don't think, I don't, I don't think, sure. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's as symbolic as you think it is. I don't think it's the Red Wings going like, we are ready to roll because we're signing Patrick Kane to a one-year deal. Red Wing, no commitment yeah. there. Red Wing Ted, he texted into the show this morning and apparently we broke this news to Red Wing Ted. So yes, one, I guess congratulations are in order for you. Patrick Kane is now a member of the Detroit Red Wings. You tell us, Red Wing Ted. What did you think of them moving on from Phil Peronic? Do you think they're ready to make the playoffs? Uh, we will move on to another team that is not going to make the playoffs as currently <laughs> going. Uh, the Minnesota Wild. Second coaching casualty of the season. The Minnesota Wild yesterday announced that Dean Evason and his assistant coach Bob Woods were out in Minnesota. Uh, the news came after I think all of the Wild struggles finally landed on our radar. Because you did the, the, the notes over the weekend for Monday's show. And mm-hmm. Monday's show was, wow. Look at the Minnesota Wild. Seven-game losing streak. Their coach is getting incredibly frustrated. They're way out of a playoff spot. And, you know, as it pertains to the Vancouver Canucks, one of those teams that dropped out of last year's picture that the Canucks could replace. We mentioned John Hines comes in as the new head coach. And it really looks like a team that's 
out of answers right now. I know I mentioned, I think it was when you were on vacation. I, I, I bet Bill Guerin didn't really want to make this. Move, I bet he didn't either. But he just kind of felt maybe he had pressure from the owner. There were reports from Russo at the Athletic that the owner was not very happy with what's going on. So maybe Bill Guerin was like, well, I got to do something. And we all know the cap situation in the NHL. So, uh, John Hines, you're, you're the, the solution. And they knew each other from pre- previously working, uh, I guess it was in the Pittsburgh organization. But um, when you were on vacation, I mentioned in the notes of one of the shows with Jimmy Dodd that um, Bill Guerin, prior to them going to Sweden, right, to play those games where it became the William Nylander yeah, celebration. Yeah, yeah. He gave them a bit of a kick in the butt, didn't he? Yeah, and then they went 0-2-2 two two <laughs> after that. So, like, I guess he ran out of ideas. He's like, I tried firing you guys up. Now I got to fire your coach. So, Well, their peak is so bad that maybe they're hoping a guy can come in and have some ideas. I don't know. They've dug a, a pretty big hole. The guy that I'm watching right now is DJ Smith in Ottawa because the Sens last night had a pretty bad loss. It was at home. Yeah, I got skunked. They got beaten 5 nothing by the Florida Panthers, who are a pretty good team, by the way. The Canucks beat them, but now that they're kind of more back to full strength, that's that that might be the best team in the division of all those teams, including Boston's taking a step back. You mm-hmm. know, Toronto, Tampa Bay, we all know they've had their struggles this year. Maybe it's still Florida there. Uh, they did go to the Stanley Cup final last year. Yep. Uh, but DJ Smith had a quote last night that said um you know this one's on me i didn't have the guys prepared to go now we hear coaches say that sometimes um maybe in some cases it's to take the pressure off the players uh maybe it's just a cliche or maybe it's like a passive aggressive thing apparently i didn't have the guys ready to go so that's on me because they didn't show up ready to play right so but i do think it's worth noting that the Senators don't play again until Friday. They got so, a lot of time off. If you're going to make a move, and you know Ottawa Senators fans are done with DJ Smith for the most part. The consensus is like, look, you got a new owner. <laughs> the GM's gone. You got a new organization here. DJ Smith is kind of a holdover to the past. The Sens are off to another middling start. Uh, they're not in a playoff position, are they? Are they? They're they are currently last in the division at eight and nine. <laughs> what's the so, oppo- what's the opposite of a playoff position? So, like, I don't think they're worse than the Montreal Canadiens, and they played four games fewer than the Habs. So that's one of the reasons why they're last. And same with like Buffalo. I, 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 I like they've got a plus one goal differential, so they're not a horrible team, but they're not off to the start the Sens fans are dreaming of. And I think if when I look at this team compared to Detroit, say, mm-hmm. I think Ottawa on paper looks better than Detroit, but Detroit is getting the results right now. So here's something for you that I bet you don't know. Intern Joseph, a diehard Ottawa Senators fan. This was brought to my attention yesterday, so what better time to throw him into the moment? We can ask you a real direct question. What do you have to think about that much? Is DJ Smith going to get fired, yes or no? Or should he get fired, yes or no? I hope so. I mean, it's time. It's time for Ottawa to make a move. Like, I was looking at their lineup yesterday in their forward core. They had four forwards there who provide nothing offensively, and a couple that Canucks fans will be familiar with. Matthew Highmore, Zach McEwen, Rourke Chartier, mm-hmm. and Parker Kelly. You right. can't have four forwards at the bottom of your lineup who bring, frankly, nothing. Is there absolutely it, zero? Does, yeah, does, does he nothing. have any other options, though? I mean, why don't we call up Igor Sokolov? Or you just say we? Sure. Nice. You know what? <laughs> I like it. I respect it. I like You're going to go far in this business, kid, getting on board like that. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you look at 
Now that we've kind of uh, broken the seal on coach firings, because it started with Woodcroft, and then now it's gone to Everson. Like, he's got to be the next candidate. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. And with the way no, that I honestly expect it, I, 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 I was kind of like, I bet we're going to wake up tomorrow and there's going to be a press release from the Sens. Um, so where do they go if they move on from Smith and please say Bruce Boudreaux? That would be fantastic. <laughs> I was, I was hoping for Jay Woodcroft. I mean, you know, that's interesting. That's he, re- I don't know how he's viewed around the league. That I, would be incredible. And then he takes yeah. the Sens to the playoffs yeah. and the others don't make it. That would be interesting though. That well, would be awesome. <laughs> one connection to it is Steve Steos, who's the interim GM, mm-hmm. worked in Edmonton with Jay right. Woodcroft. Okay. So that's uh, one angle they could take. That would save the Oilers some money, too. Well, that's a win-win for everyone. Although, would the, the Oilers, Oilers would the, no, would the Oilers be like, ah, we're not going to give you permission to do that because that's potentially embarrassing. Remember when we were really hoping that Daryl Sutter would take over the Oilers? That would have been good. Can you imagine? Daryl Sutter takes over the Oilers, and then Woodcroft goes to the Sens. How did it work? Boudreaux got fired in Washington, and then the, was the coach in Anaheim like six days later, yeah, right? Yeah. And he replaced Randy Carlisle, so that could be a move there. Anyway, mm. good job, Joseph. Nicely done. Okay, uh, we're going to get back to the Canucks talk here on Sportsnet 650. You're home of the Canucks, and then I guess briefly, you're home of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Canucks returned to practice yesterday. Of course, they've got the game tonight against Anaheim. Uh, big news was that Kuzmenko was back with Pedersen and Mikheyev on a line at practice. Odd man out, looks like. <sighs> Found money, Phil. Phil D. Giuseppe looks like he could be the odd man out tonight when they take on the Ducks. Uh, let's play some audio. Do we have uh, Talkit on Kuzmenko? Um, Talkit, he didn't say all that much about uh, Kuzmenko other than he needed a reset. And Laddie's struggling right now. Brand game. Like, I, I did, you know, obviously I'm not going to sit the guy for, uh, on the shelf for a lot of games, but I felt the way we played Seattle, I thought all four lines contributed. It was hard to pull a guy out for for that. And, um, you know, that's that's the, the thought process. Will he play tomorrow? Like, yeah, no, he's going to play. He's in. You know, you know, I'm not that, you know, some kind of coach at all. Game I just said, no, he's going to play. You know, he had a good practice. And we dealt with some things. And, you know, he had some energy today. How much of a slippery slope is that? You're, you're dealing with a 39-goal scorer. You want to get message across. But it can be sometimes for some coaches that use him or lose him. Sit him too long, you might lose him mentally, but you need him back in. Is that a tough balancing act for you? Not for me because, you know, Listen, if he's sitting in my office saying, hey, coach, you're crazy, you know, I'm playing great, and then we got issues. Um, you know, he knows he's not playing well, and he, and so, I, no, I don't. I mean, we, I've gone through it. You know, we've all gone through it. So you got to look and, you know, you got to self evaluate, and how do you get better? So, no, I, losing a guy, you know, I don't think you're going to lose a guy that wants to get better. So, Kuzmenko will be back in the lineup, and he'll be back with uh, Pedersen and Mikheyev. So, we'll see how. Kuzmenko performs tonight, and we'll also continue to monitor PD's play pretty closely. Um, he's not out of the lineup, but you know, there's all sorts of speculation on what's going wrong. Right? Is it just an injury thing? Does is his wrist bothering him so much, or is there some other injury? You know, I know there's been speculation about maybe he's got a groin injury, and that would affect his skating, and obviously the wrist would affect his puck handling. But is there a confidence issue there as well? Um, so we'll continue to like the Canucks need PD at a high level. Yep. Right. Their top six isn't. It looks it looks so good when PD's on, mm-hmm. and the Miller line is you know taking them hard matchups and PD's able to. I remember PD's scoring right off the start. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, that's what that's what the Canucks need to get back to. Um, the more interesting thing I think from yesterday's availability with Rick Tockett was what he had to say about Pew Suter. 
he admitted that there was a setback with Pew Suter. He also admitted that it's a, a lower body injury with Suter. So that's it's fortunate in that it's not a concussion, right? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when guys are like day to day and and there isn't a lot of information coming out and day-to-day goes, you know, into weeks and you're like, well, is he still day-to-day? You wonder if it's a concussion. So I guess that's the good news. It's not a concussion. Um, but I thought it was really interesting what Talkett had to say. He said, Suter, he's a missing piece that we really want, but we have to get him healthy and he's not healthy. Uh, is it day-to-day? He's still got to get back to skating. So that's probably going to take a couple of days. So I wouldn't expect Pew Suter in the lineup for the next little while. If he's not even back to skating yet, um, you know, maybe it's, maybe let's speculate if we're going to speculate about Petey's groin. <laughs> let's speculate that might be a, a groin injury for Suter. It's because, a middle body injury. Because it's not well, upper body, not lower body, middle body. I'm gesturing towards the middle of my body right now on camera. You know, you can have anyone who's had a groin injury knows that. You know, sometimes you can go out there and you you feel good walking around, and then you get on the ice and you feel that little hitch, and you're like, "Oh, nope, I'm not doing this. Yep. I'm out of here." Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's kind of a tricky injury to deal with, and I'm not saying it is, but you know, if they're not going to give us the exact stuff, we can speculate about whether it's a it's a groin injury or not. Um, you know, like we were talking yesterday, if you have Suter in the lineup, you do have some more options. Mid-game even, if you want to do it, if you want to load up the lotto line and put those three out together, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about full-time, but let's say you need a goal or it's the end of the period and you can just load up. I mean, Talkin's been doing it anyway. Yeah. I think having a guy like Suter, at it, he, he just brings a little more offense than a guy like Bluger or a guy like Lafferty yeah. in the middle. Okay, there's two thoughts on this. One, and this might sound harsh, but whatever. Um, you should be able to withstand the loss of Pius Suter if you're a good, competent NHL team. I know he's a nice player, but he's, you know, teams are going to go through more catastrophic injuries and be expected to not just like tread water, but still win hockey games. Like, I, I get what Talk is saying. Like, he's a versatile guy. He gives them a little bit more looks in the lineup and more wrinkles and more options of things to do. But the reality is, is that, again, if we're talking about playoff caliber teams, they should be able to withstand the loss of the guy. I think the other thing that it illustrates is just how imperfect the Canucks roster is, especially when one or two guys either aren't going or are injured. Mm -hmm. Like, again... Pretty good teams can survive the loss of Carson Soucy, who, it, you know, he's really a third pair defenseman. You should be able to replace that either with organizational depth or having other guys step up and carry the load. For the Canucks, and this is where we go back to looking at the playoff bar and everything, as this season goes along, you're, they're going to, one, kind of be exposed because it's an imperfect roster. I think we all know this. But two, they're going to learn some lessons along the way about how to deal with injuries, how to deal with Guys not going at 100%. You know, Talkett talked about Saturday in San Jose. What was the learning lesson there? Playoff teams don't lose these games, right? You, you find you a way. Got to respect your opponents. Yeah, and you find a way to either grind out a point or two when you don't have it. You don't have your A game. Everybody is you know rolling. You You're know short what? benched. You're short lineup. That kind of thing. You know what the key to those games is? And I was thinking about this, is just staying focused. Yeah. And I think that's what he meant when you got to respect your opponents. Because you can be tired. But you can't lose your focus. Mm-hmm. And two of the Canuck goals, I would say, there was just a loss of focus. Fabian Zetterlin drifts into the slot. Everyone's watching the puck. No one's paying attention to Fabian Zetterlund. Yeah. And he rips a puck 
home. And then we all talked about the Grandland goal. You know, there's a loss of focus there. Everyone's just watching Grandland. It's like, wow, I guess he's building up some speed, isn't he? Yep. And wow. Think, you know, like, well, no, that's someone should check that this guy. guy. Go. Yeah. Look at him go. Wow. He's so fast. The other part of it, though, and you brought this up yesterday, is that this was another time where the team went into the third period tied at 2-2 and walked out of that game with nothing. Nothing. And, and I yeah. think that's probably what Talkett was speaking on as well. Like, hey, we can't keep doing this, going mm-hmm. into the third period of games tied and walking away with zero And then points. making defensive mistakes in that period. Right. I mean, they, they got unfolded in the first in a two-minute span mm-hmm. in a third period. And, and he said it. Playoff teams don't do this. Good teams don't do this. Okay, we got a lot more to get into on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Greg Wyshynski is going to join us on the other side. We'll talk about the new All-Star Game format. We will talk about Dean Evison getting fired in Minnesota. We can talk about the Corey Perry situation in Chicago as well. Very strange. Still not a lot of answers as to what's going on there. Greg Wyshynski, our NHL insider from ESPN, next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet. 650. The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. I love talking over this music. Feel like I feel and sound like a real broadcast. Do you pretend you're on ESPN? It sounds yeah, like everything you're saying is important. Yeah. Like you could be talking about absolutely nothing and it still sounds important. Most of the time like I right am. Now. Yeah. yeah. A handful of times in my life where I'm saying something important. Yeah. Let's be honest. It's never on the show. <laughs> uh, we are in hour one of the program. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN is going to join us. The highlight of hour one. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. To the phone lines we go. ESPN's Greg Wyshynski now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Wish? Hi, everybody. Anything going on? Good? No, nothing? No, All nothing. right, let's go. Let's let's talk about some other thing. Want to talk about the movies or something? <laughs> Not a story to digest in the world of hockey, Greg. Nothing at all. Oh, aside from the Patrick Kane thing. Let's start there. Patrick Kane, one-year deal, Detroit Red Wings. How surprised were you that it was Detroit that ended up being the landing spot? wasn't surprised. I think, I think from the, the teams that were sort of in conversation with Kane, there were some interesting possibilities. Um, I think ultimately from, from what I gathered from Kane over the last six months uh, in talking to his camp, you know, the opportunity to win was paramount for him. And I think above maybe everything else, this is a, a hell of an endorsement for the Red Wings um, and what he's seen from them and, and what he likes about them. Cause he obviously believes that they're going to be a playoff team. Um, and then the other thing was, was opportunity. And, um, you know, there was other teams that were offering some pretty intriguing opportunities. I, I think the, almost the entire basis of the Florida Panthers offer besides the weather in South Florida was the opportunity to play with Alexander Barkov on his wing. Uh, but you know, the chance to go to Detroit, uh, you can kind of see exactly where he fits. He fits snugly on their second line with, uh, Maybe JT Comfort, but definitely Alex DeBrinket, who's mm-hmm. been there for the last several games. And, you know, obviously we know that 
They had incredible chemistry at five on five in, in Chicago and especially on the power play in Chicago. And then uh, that seems to be the most logical fit. So good endorsement of what, of the Iser plan. Uh, and I think a pretty comfortable landing spot uh, for Kane, even if it will be uncomfortable for Blackhawks fans. And I'll, I'll say this, you know, I, I think a lot of Chicago fans are probably like, Oh my God, this guy signed with Detroit. Like this is like <laughs> mortal enemy time, you know, and you know, a, a leaf signing with the Canadians or something. Um, I think they got to remember that he has entered his hockey Ronin phase, you know, much like we saw Yamir Yager play with six different teams in six seasons, <laughs> much like we saw Jerome Ginla, the face of the Calgary flames become a Bruin and a penguin and a, and a, and a King and an avalanche. Like this is just going to be uh, Patrick Kane. I think for the, for the, the rest of his career, you know, try to find the right spot, sign a short-term deal. Hope that you get your name on the couple more time, unless ultimately it ends with, you know, a multi-year deal to go home to Buffalo at some point. How much of an impact can he make? That's good. I mean, that is the million-dollar question because we don't know what kind of player he is after this hip surgery. I mean, hip resurfacing surgery is no joke. Uh, We saw Nicholas Backstrom step away from the NHL this, you know, recently because he had the surgery and came back and was a shell of his former self. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the Patrick Kane that we saw with the Rangers and the Blackhawks last year was not the Patrick Kane we had seen for the previous decade. I mean, he did not have, not have that explosiveness in his skating. Um, he called his performance in the playoffs last year against the Devils, like depressing <laughs> is, is the word he used when we talked to him after the season. And so look, a, a Patrick, he's still a guy who put up 21 goals last year. Like it's not as if uh, he, he's going to be a completely ineffective player. I think after the surgery, the question is, is, is can he get to, 75% of what Patrick Kane used to be. And that remains to be seen because the surgery traditionally has not seen a lot of guys come back and be the same player that they were or, or even get to that 75% level. How confident should the Red Wings be uh, that they're going to make the playoffs? Because in Vancouver here, everyone's been really happy, including Quinn Hughes with uh, the play of Philip Peronik. And I think we're all just still a little bit like, hmm, I wonder why Steve Eiserman pulled the trigger on that. Well, I mean, I think probably because sometimes guys need changes in scenery and sometimes GMs make mistakes. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it's hard to really gauge what he would have ended up being in, in Detroit. It could have just been a, a situational thing where he, he just needed to kind of like go in a different direction in his career um, because his development curve in Detroit had sort of like flatlined a bit. So, you know, it's, it, it's a good question. And, uh, and I, I think the Canucks obviously benefited greatly from the acquisition. Um, but as far as your original question, like them as a playoff contender, I mean, I think they, I mean, despite their stumble recently, I think the Bruins are fine. Uh, I think Florida has really shown that uh, the last couple of seasons are no fluke and they're going to be a perpetual playoff contender. And then you, you get to Detroit, Tampa, Toronto, and it gets real interesting. I mean, Detroit has been really good. I mean, they've got a 625 points percentage. That's no joke. And, and I think that they've shown uh, that they can weather some storms and, and keep playing the way they're playing. And I think Derek Lalonde's done an incredible job there. Um, you know, Tampa's done great. Their stars have carried the day, uh, and now they're getting Vasilevsky back. And, and, and maybe, you know, reports of their demise were a little exaggerated, at least from me saying they're going to miss the playoffs. And then you, you come to Toronto, who, you know, quite honestly has not put it together quite yet. I mean, their regulation wins are, are some of the, the lowest totals in the league. 
And, uh, you know, we had Kristen Chilton on the drop uh, this week to talk about a lot of all-star stuff, but also about the Leafs. And the tone in her voice as someone who covers the team was one of a little bit of concern that mm. <laughs> in a, in a topsy turvy league, uh, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs are not, you know, etched in stone as being a playoff team right now. What's going on with the Minnesota wild besides having a new coach? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, what's going on with the Minnesota wild is that this is the only move they could make because of their cap situation. And because as the, the Oilers know better than anybody trying to make a trade to shake up your roster at this point in the season is a very tough thing, not only because of the cap, but because there aren't a lot of dance partners out there looking to help you out. That, this, this reminds me very much, I mentioned the Oilers, of the Jay Woodcroft thing. I mean, I, I mentioned this on the show today, the, the idea that this is the second firing that we've seen that's completely based on how bad goaltending was for this team. I mean, <laughs> they were like seventh in expected goals against, uh, and their goaltending, I think, was 30th in the league in save percentage. Uh, Gustafson's been bad. Flurry's been worse. <laughs> they both have uh, uh, an expected goals, uh, an expected uh, goal saved, or rather goal saved above expected of over negative seven. So they've been well below replacement this year. So look, the other part of the, the Oilers firing though, was that there just needed to be a vibe change. And, you know, the bottom line is that it was really hard for Edmonton to not make a change when you lose that San Jose game and and the team is, is mentally defeated. Um, when you're the wild and you haven't won a game in seven straight, um, you know, no matter what the analytics tell you, there needs to be some kind of vibe change. So I like John Hines. I think he's, I think he's a good coach. I think he's well-prepared. I think the players like him. Um, I don't love hockey nepotism, which is undoubtedly why he's uh, coaching the Wild now because of his connections to Billy Garrett and Ray Shiro. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, something had to change there, and he certainly couldn't do much with the roster based on the cap situation. Is it worth pointing out that after last night's 5 nothing loss to the Florida Panthers, the Ottawa Senators don't have another game until Friday? So... If they did want to make a move surrounding their head coach, DJ Smith, they've got a few days to do it. They do, but, but I mean, like, the thing about the Senators that I find interesting is, yeah, they, they took a whack in last night, and they've not played great. But they, there is a sort of thought around that team of, uh, you know, we're not healthy quite yet. I mean, Shabbat, I think, was still working his way back into the lineup. Um, so maybe they give them a little bit more leeway because of that. Uh, and, and honestly, like this is a 500 team uh, until the loss last night. They, they don't have as many games played as other teams for whatever reason. Um, <clears throat> but it's not as if they are as uh, disastrous and dire as the uh, Wild and the Oilers were when they made their coaching changes. I, I mean, listen, I thought DJ Smith was definitely going to be the first guy that got fired this year mm-hmm. based on the expectations placed on this team. But <clears throat> they they like him and and I I don't I don't think we're quite at the point yet where where he needs to go uh, but it does bear watching especially after a a loss like they had last night. Speaking of Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Greg, you mentioned earlier on the drop you were talking to Kristen Shilton among other things the new NHL All Star Game format. Well, it's not so much new; it is is an oldie but a goodie coming back. <laughs> Can you let our listeners know what it is, what to expect, what's going to happen? Will Phil Kessel be somehow involved? What's going on at the All Star Game? <laughs> now, the Phil Kessel part of it's really fun because there there is a chance for him to be involved, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, we spell it out on the drop. We, we debate the whole thing. We talk about the whole thing. Uh, for those who didn't see the news last night, the draft is back. Uh, it's going to be four team captains drafting teams for the three-on-three tournament, along with 
they're celebrity co-captains, which ah. if, if, if nothing in life has ever screamed, let's make sure we get Justin Bieber standing next to Austin Matthews <laughs> at the All-Star Game in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I don't know what does. On the show, on the drop today, my, I, we, we did some fantasy casting of, of uh, celebrities that we wanted to see with the NHL players. I, I don't know if my idea of Megan Thee Stallion with Sidney Crosby will be adopted by the NHL, but I do think it'd be a really good time. Yep. Um, the, the thing that we're all wondering about with the draft coming back is how are they going to handle <laughs> the last pick, uh, remembering all the Phil Kessel stuff and, and the reason we had to get rid of the draft is because people like Brian Burke got boo-boo faced over their guys going last. <laughs> Kristen told us that the current format is that there's going to be a final four players and that uh, a celebrity guest will assign those four players to the four teams. So there won't be a last pick. Now, to go back to your initial question, I don't see any reason in the world why that celebrity picker shouldn't be Phil Castle. I mean, like, that would be tremendous, right? Like, that is the ultimate... He I mean, loves the spotlight, too, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, he, he, would, spot- he would love to do that. <laughs> loves Toronto, loves the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> loves talking I mean, to people. Like, Can I, I mean, wear my hat? Again, like, the, I mean, he could whisper it in, you know, somebody's ear. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 but again, like, you talk about, like, great moments uh, as far as the All-Star game. We, we, it's the final four players. That, who's going to be, like, the last pick? And out comes Phil Kessel in Toronto to uh, assign the last four players. I mean, that... I don't know if there's another another answer that could possibly be better than that, other than it'll probably be like Matt Sundin or something. Right. Like that. Um, okay, you mentioned that there's quite a few things going on around the NHL right now, and there are. So there's the new All-Star Game format. Everson's out um, in Minnesota. Patrick Kane signs with Detroit. Um, buried among this is the... The Corey Perry situation in Chicago. Do you know anything more than what was said? And I'll I'll mention this for the listeners. There's not a lot that's been said publicly, other than the Blackhawks. I've Kyle, seen a few things on on social media. We were going to get to that when Kyle <laughs> Davidson met with the media on Saturday. He said it was an organizational decision. When the agency, I believe it was Pat Morris, put out a statement on behalf of Corey Perry, he said it was uh, their camp's decision, a personal decision on their front. So there's no real clarity on any front here. Uh, what do you know? Well, I, I found it. I don't know anything. Nobody knows anything, right. uh, which is what makes, you know, when there's a vacuum of information, that's why that's where space gets created for conspiracy theories. Correct. Um, but I, I've seen some people try to, portray those two statements as being things that can coexist. And I really do believe they're diametrically opposed. Yes. You cannot have the team saying we are telling him to stay away and then have the Port Perry and his agent saying, no, it's actually our choice to not be there. Those are two very, very different things. And, and, uh, and, you know, for the sake of clarity, it would be good to know exactly what the situation is, but of course, like the the problem is that we don't know what's going on, which means that we could have you know some some like labor dispute or HR dispute or trade in the works. I mean, we don't know, mm-hmm. right? So there's maybe reasons why they're keeping it vague, um, but uh, but it certainly it certainly does seed uh, the ground for <laughs> very entertaining. Uh, Twitter pylons uh-huh. and conspiracy theories well, that spread yesterday. Of all the organizations, too, right? Like, for them to be acting so secretively about this, doesn't it lend itself to people thinking it's something nefarious? Yeah, but, I mean, that's on people. Uh, again, like, the, the, at, at some point, and I don't know how many years it'll take, but 
you know, there's nobody there anymore that was a part of that. And I'm not saying that the organization should be given a clean bill of health or that we shouldn't still bemoan the fact that the Blackhawks got through that situation by having a bunch of people walk away from the, their gigs and, and not be severely penalized in the same way that, say, Ottawa was recently. Um, but, I mean, like, Kyle Davidson wasn't there. And, like, you know, there's a lot of people in the organization that weren't there. So I get it. I, I get it's the Blackhawks, and I get that they, they've not earned the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, it's like, you know, that, that, I, the guys that are there in orchestrating this Corey Perry thing are not the guys that were there in 2010. Hey, Wish, I picked your Devils to win the Cup. Was that a dumb pick? You'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> really? What, the Devs? Yeah. Well, it'll be fine. Don't you think it'll be fine? Well, I'm a little worried. I, I was saying yesterday, if I got to, if I got a do-over, I might take the LA Kings, but you don't get do-over. So. No, the Kings are good. Look, the, 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 the thing that made me, as, as a Devils fan, a little bit, uh, you know, exhale a little bit was the fact that he sure came back and all of a sudden they looked like themselves again. And, and you, you got to remember that's been a thing for the Devils in the first two months of the season is that they missed Jack Hughes for like five games, but they missed Nico Heischer for like double that. And they say what you will about them, but you know, they don't exactly have all-star caliber center depth beyond those guys. So, you know, if you take away Hughes and Heischer as your pivots, then you're not going to be playing all that well. So Heischer comes back, they, they drop a, a bunch of goals on the Sabres, and they look like themselves again. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they can build on that. Do you trust their goaltending? Do you think they might do something about it? Yeah, I didn't trust their goaltending last year either, and they won a playoff round. Right. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it really, it really does depend. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you do need to get a save um, in, in, in the playoffs, and you need your goalie to bail you out at times. Um, but it really is much more about what was happening in front of those guys for the last two months than it is about the goal thing itself. But again, you know, when you think I was just having this conversation with somebody about the availability of goalies for teams like the Leafs, for example, I mean, when Mm -hmm. you think about the goalies that are available, there aren't many. And when you think about the teams that had the assets to really go all in and, and try to get one, I think the devils are at the top of the list because I mean, even in the big trades, they made like the the Meyer trade. They didn't have to give up all that much. Are, are, what goalies did you come up with? Because that was actually going to be my next question for you. Because you know, Carolina might want to grab a goalie. Uh, I don't know if Edmonton is still hundred percent. I know they I know they won two in a row, but I don't know if Edmonton's I mean, fully satisfied with their goaltending either. I mean, John Gibson's the name that I think probably is at the top of the most lists uh, as far as guys that might be available, especially since. You know, Hullabuck is, is, isn't going anywhere, and, and I think Saros isn't going anywhere, despite not really. I mean, he's been playing great lately. Um, so, I don't know. It, it, that might be the list right now. Greg, thanks for doing this, bud. We really appreciate it. As always, enjoy the rest of the week. We will do this again uh, next Tuesday. You got it. Thanks. Thanks. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It is time now for the Everything Financial Report with Peter Shishecki. You may think getting a proper financial plan is a long, cumbersome, and difficult process, and that's why you don't have one. Well, you're wrong. It isn't. Give Peter Shishecki and his team at Everything Financial just one hour of your time, and they'll get you on the road to financial freedom with their Omni Formula Express plan. Peter joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Peter. How are you? 
Doing well, guys. How are you doing this morning? Uh, we are well. We're talking about a variety of things in the aftermath of American Thanksgiving. Now, it's not just a big moment on the NHL calendar. It's a big moment in terms of the seasons changing, right? Once American Thanksgiving's over, a lot of people kind of say, okay, it's time to start getting revved up for Christmas time and Christmas giving and everything else that goes along with the holiday season. Your shows right now are going to all be about Christmas charity, specifically this week. So let's just talk big picture about how giving at Christmas and charitable stuff works into your financial plan. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, this is the time to kind of reflect, look back. And uh, like you said, it's Christmas season, except if you're a big box store, because that starts in August, apparently, <laughs> right. um, with decorations. I think we can all agree with that. So when you're, so with you guys, the ones I wanted to focus on is Connect Place with the Children's Hospice and the autism programs and training with the Connects Autism Network. So I think a lot of people can look in the mirror or look in the morning when they go get their mocha frappa lata macchino thing for $14 and say, hey, if we bypass a couple of those this month, we give to charity. Two things happen. I want a few things happen. You feel good. You're helping out kids in a lot of these cases with especially with Connect Place with the Children's Hospice. And you get a tax deduction out of the deal. So you help your own financial plan. You get to save on taxes because who wants to give money to the government? No one. And you get to do something good at this time of year because even though it's been a tough year with inflation and interest rates and just general state of the world and the economy, I think a majority of us in BC, there's a lot of us, especially us sports people who go to games and stuff, can look in the mirror and say, you know what? Maybe I skip one Canuck game and I and I don't buy those tickets, or if I'm a season ticket holder, I sell those tickets. I know we're doing some stuff for charity with our tickets where we're raising some money to give them away and give it to a charity. So look at doing that, but remember, you save on taxes and you get what's called a tax credit with a charitable donation. So it's not, you don't, you know, if you put $1,000 to Canuck Place, you don't get $1,000 off on your taxes, but you still get a nice tax credit that puts money in your pocket, which you can then go buy one less coffee with or whatever the case may be, but give to charity. Uh, well, speaking of, you know, Canucks games and Canucks tickets, we were giving away some, and they've got a game tonight against the Ducks. Uh, quick preview, thoughts about the game tonight as the Canucks look to get back to their winning ways? They kind of get out of this funk they're in because they, the forecheck looks, as you guys probably comment on, looks a little brutal, and they look a little disorganized in their own end, and maybe one injury does make a big deal, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Canucks are only a couple players away. They just need a little depth. But I think tonight, I wouldn't want to be the Ducks because I think after their last three, four games, yeah, they got to win in there and stuff. I think there's going to be a little bit of anger, you know, this time of charity and giving. Mm. I don't want to see any charity tonight. <laughs> I want to see giving it to the opposition and taking it to them tonight. That's what I want to see. Peter, thanks for doing this. As always, we appreciate it. And enjoy the game tonight and the rest of the week. We'll do this again next Tuesday. You bet, guys. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. That's uh, Peter Shashecki from Everything Financial here. Uh, you can visit them online at everythingfinancial.com or call 1-888-424-4421 and get your complimentary introductory meeting booked today. Uh, so the Ducks have lost six in a row, and here's how those games have gone. They lost 8-2 in Colorado, 2-1 in Florida, better there, 3-1 in St. Louis, 4-3 to Montreal, 5-2 to L.A., 
and then another 8-2 loss on Sunday. When you, so yeah. hopefully the 8-2 losses aren't like bookends oh, of a slump. I was worried about, right? And then they're like, okay, it's over because we bookended it, and now we're going to win over the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, like I, you know, usually when you start a losing streak and then come in on the heels of that losing streak with 8-2 losses, it suggests that you're not a very good hockey team. But Anaheim does have intriguing young talent. And they overachieved the times this season. So you know, at the very least, they're capable of getting some results. I mean, that's what bothered me about the San Jose loss so much is it's like the Canucks are now just one of four teams in the NHL to lose to this sad sack outfit, Mm -hmm. right? Like, There's no proof of concept that when San Jose works hard and tries, they win often. They don't. They can try their best. But recently they'd won some more games. They won last night, actually. Yeah. See, they're a wagon. Um, the guy I might be watching tonight is John Gibson's. I, I assume he's going to get the start. And um, there were all sorts of rumors about John Gibson maybe being traded this offseason. And then he shot them down or his agent shot them down or the Ducks somehow shot them down. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot here, laddie, but um, John Gibson... What do you think of his game right now? This is where we are all amazed that John Gibson is still only 30. Yeah. 30 years old. John Gibson, if you're like, like we went through this before, mm-hmm. and it's like, if you're, how old is John Gibson? I don't know. Like, while. It's like Sam Gagne being 32 or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, how? Sam Gagne is 50. Uh, well, the point I was going to make is he may be 30, but his body is probably closer to a 40 year old goal just from the way that he plays. Such an energetic style, very taxing on the body. And I would be wary if I was a team that's picking him up. If you're looking at him as a long-term option and not just somebody that can catch lightning in a bottle, mm-hmm. that's a bit concerning to me. I, I do like John Gibson, but it's just the way that he plays and the, and the environment that he's been in for so long. It's taken its toll. So we were going to chat with uh, Anthony LaPlanta out of, LaPanta out of uh, Minnesota, but they've got a press conference coming up in Minnesota to announce the, well, the new ho- the, the new coach, uh, John Hines, and uh, I'm sure Bill Guerin will be there to explain the firing of Dean Evison. So Anthony won't be able to join us in the next segment. Uh, we will talk to Jonathan Davis at 7.30 uh, about the Anaheim Ducks, so we can go over the John Gibson story and talk about how this Anaheim Ducks season has gone but we've got an open segment on the other side so please text in any comments or questions into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Butis in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com you're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650